Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Alhamdulillah, Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina min yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa min yudlil falahadiyalah wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu attaqullaha haqqa tuqatihi wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun Ya ayyuhal nasu attaqu rabbakumu alladhi khalaqakum min nafsin wahidah wa khalaqa minha zawjaha wa batha minhuma rijalan kathiran wa nisaa wa attaqullaha alladhi tasa'aluna bihi wal arham inna allaha kana alaykum raqiba يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد When we look at a specific time frame in the life of Al-Habib sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this specific window of time was the most challenging period of time that the Prophet went through in his life as he mentioned himself later on. Sayyidah Aisha, our mother, عنها, asked him if the day of Uhud was the most difficult day that he faced. And he said, no, rather it was the day of Ta'if. One of the things that made that experience so difficult, other than the experience in and of itself being extremely difficult, what makes it even more so is what else happened in the life of the Prophet immediately before the Alayhi It wasn't just that he went into Ta'if and he was chased out how he was, Alayhi That in and of itself is enough to be extremely difficult. 
But what can make a challenge even more trying is when there are already other challenges ongoing in the life of that person. What happened immediately before this, the Prophet loses, alayhi salatu wasalam, Sayyidah Khadija. He loses his uncle, who is his primary political shield, Abu Talib. He loses both of them back to back within a matter of days of each other. Because of especially Abu Talib passing away, now he's at the, he's at the mercy of who? The likes of Abu Lahab, Abu Jahal, Umay ibn Khalaf. There were already challenges. There's a reason why there were already two migrations to Habasha, to East Africa, to Abyssinia, modern-day Ethiopia. There were already those two migrations because of the heat the Muslims were facing in Mecca. And that was with Abu Talib alive, offering as much protection as he could. Now he's gone. Things were only getting worse and worse and worse. Because of that, that's why the Prophet went to Ta'if. He has to look for a new home for himself and his community. Now we can appreciate and understand why that day was so difficult for him. Why that was so challenging for him. It wasn't just that experience in and of itself. But coupled with what he was already going through. So now it's challenge on top of challenge on top of challenge. And this year, the year that followed, is known as the year of sorrow, the year of grief in the life of Al Habib. In that time, what was a remedy? What was a medical prescription from a spiritual perspective? What was a medical prescription that Allah Azza wa Jal gave the Prophet? It was during this time that Allah revealed Surah Yusuf to the Prophet <coughs> The Prophet was feeling down. He was dealing with so much. And Allah lifted him up. Allah offered a remedy. Allah offered shifa, healing, a cure, to help him heal. It was also after these challenges and experiences you have the epic instance of Al-Isra' Al-Mi'raj. Look at the, the healing that Allah is offering the Prophet. How Allah is helping him and supporting him and healing him. Making things better. I want to zoom in specifically within the story of Surah Yusuf. Within the story of Nabi Yusuf salam. And if the brothers can please scoot up to make room for those in the back, please do so. Make room for others and Allah will make room for you in Jannah inshaAllah. When you look at the story of Surah Yusuf, you find one challenge after another, after another, after another. Just like the Prophet was going through, one challenge after another. Initially, he ends up as this perfectly innocent kid. His own brothers throw him into a well. And then what happens after that, he ends up as a, being sold as a child slave in Egypt. Away from his family, away from everyone he knows in a foreign land, with a foreign people, he ends up in the house of Al-Aziz, which, which was a title. And then within that context, the wife of Al-Aziz tries to seduce him. He ends up going to jail as a perfectly innocent man. You find one challenge after another, after another. When Allah describes this story as the best story that's mentioned, 
نحن نقص عليك أحسن القصص بما أوحينا إليك في هذا القرآن If Allah is describing this as the best story then you and I should pay attention Why is this the best story? And you also find the surah being unique From A to Z the entire surah is an entire story You do find a number of different stories in the Quran Oftentimes within the surah you have different stories mixed in You have Bits and pieces of different stories mixed in throughout the Qur'an. But this surah, this story specifically, the entire surah is dedicated to this story. You find one challenge after another, after another, after another. From the human eye, things look like they're getting worse and worse and worse. And then rock bottom is when he's in jail. Rock bottom is when he's in jail. Look at the beautiful symmetry in the story. And you, you, can, you can find images of this online when you, because some people are more visual learners. When you see the image, especially if you're more of a visual learner, then this will hit home even more. If you look it up, you'll find that the story of Nabi Yusuf salam is a perfect mirror. You find one challenge happening after another, and then you have the middle point. And then the way the second half of the story unfolds is in perfect symmetry with the first half. The first half you have points one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He ends up in jail. And then you find seven. So think of one A, two A, three A through seven, for example. And then you have seven B. He's exonerated. His name is clear. The last thing that happened before he ends up in jail. Why does he end up in jail? He's accused as an innocent person. Then 7b, he's exonerated. His name is cleared. And then he ends up in a position of power. He ends up as Al-Aziz himself. His brothers end up apologizing to him. And then all the way at the end, the dream that he had, this would be point 1a. And then you have everything unfolding. And then you have this perfect image, a perfect mirror on the opposite side of things. How... Things got better and better and better and better in the exact same order. And then all the way at the end, it mirrors the beginning. At the beginning, he had a dream he told his father. At the end, he tells his father, this is, this is that dream coming, coming true now. In the middle is what I want to zoom in on a little bit more. What was it in this story that played such a pivotal role later on? Subhanallah, Allah is, Allah is latif. Allah hides things. Allah is very gentle. Allah is, is very subtle in His plan. Allah is very gentle with us. Allah latifun bi When you look at the, the, the middle point of the story, the lowest of lows, even then, you find something very special in His character, alayhi salam. وَدَخَلَ مَعَهُ السِّجِنَ فَتَيَانِ Along with him when he was entered into jail, there were two other young men who were entered along with him. Not 200, not 1,000. Allah mentions two. They had their dreams. They went to him for interpretation. He interpreted them. Out of those two, the interpretation was, and this is exactly what happened, one out of those two would end up dying very soon after. Which leaves how many people? One person. One person. Nabi Yusuf salam. He helped this one person. He interpreted his dream. 
He did him a favor. He did an act of social sadaqah. You never know where Allah's barakah lies. If you make your intention that you just want to help people, you want to do what you can, where you can, when you can, how you can, whatever is within your capacity, whatever is within your means, you never know where Allah is going to hide His blessings such that eventually when you're in a time of need, just like you helped somebody in their time of need, Allah ends up helping you. Allah mentions this concept in Surah Al-Anbiya in connection with Prophet Zakariya and his wife. From the human eye, from the human perspective, their request of Allah seemed physically impossible, scientifically impossible. They're both higher up in age. Yet you find the request, the dua, the ask, Ya Allah, give us a child. From the human eye, it seems impossible. Why even ask if it looks impossible? Ask anyways. Ask Allah anyways. And Allah mentions in that part of the surah, one of the secrets, one of the reasons why Allah answered that dua for them, They were quick to do good. They were at the forefront of doing good. They wanted to do what they could to help who they could, when they could, how they could, etc. They just wanted to be people of piety. They wanted to do good. And eventually they ask Allah for this incredible thing. Sayyidina Zakariya asks Allah and Allah gives them. Allah didn't only give them a child. Allah gave them a son. Sayyidan wa hasura wa nabiya min salihin Just to have a child alone is this incredible miracle. On top of that, Allah makes him righteous and Allah makes him chaste and Allah makes him a prophet. Look at how much more Allah gave. What they're asking seems impossible if Allah just gave what they asked. But Allah's kareem. When you ask, ask Allah for things that seem so big that it kind of scares you. Where you feel hesitant like, can this really happen? Is it really a good idea if I ask for this? Maybe I should lower my standards in my dua. Don't do that. Ask Allah for whatever it is that's in your heart and connect it with doing something good. Sayyidina Yusuf salam, what did he do? He helped somebody. He did an act of service. He did a social act of sadaqah. He helped this person not knowing what's going to end up happening years later. He mentions to that man when he's being... Because the interpretation was that he's going to end up pressing wine for the king. Lo and behold, that's exactly what ends up happening. Sayyidina Yusuf mentions to him, you know, mention me to him so I can, so I can get out of this predicament out of this situation that man forgets shaitan makes that man forget years later the king has a dream this one king one night has this one dream no one around him can interpret it but there happened to be look at allah's plan there happened to already be that one man from years prior who told sayyidina yusuf about one dream that he had which was interpreted and he's the only one who's still living between those two. So he remembers, I know someone who might be able to help. So then he goes to Sayyidina Yusuf and he offers some flattery. Yusuf, ayyuhas Siddiq. You know, Yusuf, you're this amazingly truthful, honest, good person. And he wants something out of him. So he's, he's trying to offer some flattery. So he goes and he, he has this request. Can you please, please interpret this? So he does. And then word goes back to the king and 
through that act of service that Sayyidina Yusuf did years prior. Years prior, he interpreted that one dream for that one person. Years later, that person was the one connection to connect him with the king. So then he, he has an in, he has a way to, to have some time with the king. So after he explains his story, actually first, his name is cleared. He's more concerned with that than actually getting out of prison. His name is cleared. They admit that he was innocent. He gets out. He ends up having a chance to communicate with the king. After he explains his story, The king, the way that he responded, I want you on my team. I want you, I want you as my right-hand man. I want you on my side of things. I know I can trust you. How does he know that he can trust him? Well, ironically, the challenge that he went through with the wife of Al-Aziz trying to, trying to seduce him, if he can be truthful through that, given his circumstances and background, ironically, that same challenge is what became the main thing that was in his favor in a time of need. So he ends up going, alayhi salam, from rags to riches overnight, by the grace of Allah. That happens. And then you look at how the story comes full circle. But the, the, the point that I want to zoom in on specifically, out of the goodness of his heart, he wanted to do something to help someone. And then later on, it ended up coming full circle. If the brothers can please scoot up, there's, there's no room in the back. They can make room and Allah will make room for you in Jannah, inshallah. So the, the main takeaway that I want to encourage you and I to reflect on today, especially over the next week between today and next Jum'ah, to reflect and think, what, what can I do to help somebody in need? Even if it's something small within my capacity, based on my area of expertise. At the beginning of the surah, when he's mentioning the, the dream that he had to his father, the implication is he understands what that dream represents. You find him stuttering a little bit, telling his dad as a kid that one day, the, the sun, the moon, i.e. the parents, the mother and father, and then these 11 stars or planets, they're going to bow to me. But when he's, when he's telling his father, you find him repeating himself a little bit, because as a kid, he's telling his father, one day you're going to bow to me as well as the mother figure and then, and then the brothers. And the father notices this. He notices that he has this skill. He already has this blessing, this incredible skill set, this very unique talent. So during his most trying times, he used what Allah gave him talent to help somebody just for the sake of helping them. And then look at how things came full circle. We never know where Allah's barakah lies. We ask Allah for His blessing in this life and the next. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to gather all of us in Firdaus, in His garden. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Hizzati Amma Yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.
Like I just mentioned, the action item that I want to encourage myself and everyone here just to think about it. It doesn't have to be anything grandiose. It doesn't have to be anything above and beyond and, you know, super incredible and shiny and all that stuff is good. You know, there's the expression, Rome wasn't built in a day. We had, let's make a better one. Medina wasn't built in a day. It takes time. But today, what can I do? What can I do to help someone in hopes that Allah will make that come full circle? Is there any reward for Ihsan other than Ihsan? Allah mentions this specifically in which surah? Surah Al-Rahman. Allah puts the onus on you and I. If we do what we can to create and produce ihsan, to produce excellence for the sake of Allah, then that's what we're going to get in return. This is Allah's promise. But it's up to us to walk towards Him if we want Him to run towards us. Time and time again, in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, you find the emphasis placed on the individual to take action first, and then Allah will do more for you. I have to do my part first. And to facilitate that process, hoping that Allah will do much more for me in return. But I have to do my part first. The onus is on me. Many examples of this. If you're thankful, so I have to be thankful first, then Allah says that He'll increase me. And when the most generous says, I'll increase you, that should give us hope. Because of who's saying it. The onus is on who? Step one is on me. If I'm thankful, then Allah will do so much more for me in return. I have to take action expressing my gratitude. If I do my part first, many examples. Step one falls on my shoulders and your shoulders. What can we do for the sake of Allah? What are we willing to do for His sake? What are we willing to sacrifice for His sake? I'm here today on behalf of Ihsan Foundation for West Africa, which was founded by Dr. Ahmed Bagura in 1996. So it's been around for over a quarter of a century, mashallah. May Allah accept all the effort that's been done. May Allah accept all the good that's been done. There are all kinds of different opportunities for good, mashallah, that they do in connection with building masajid, especially in remote areas, as it relates to building wells, as it relates to, to healthcare, to orphan support. There's all kind of good. All kind of good. There are Qur'an schools that are being built and sponsored by people on this side of the world who are not even originally from West Africa. There's one sister, may Allah have mercy on her, originally from a Desi family. Sister Shabana Patel, in the Sacramento area. She had a Qur'an school built and she sponsored it and now she's passed away, may Allah have mercy on her, but think of how much good she's continue, she continues to, to, to gather, all the good deeds that she continues to benefit from, because she had the foresight and the vision, I have to put in work today to prepare for tomorrow. What am I doing today for tomorrow? It's human nature. We often get very caught up in the dunya. We get caught up in different responsibilities, and there's so much going on for everyone. But this is simply a reminder that if we can do something to help others, if we can't go and do the good ourselves, then let's help other people to go and do that good on our behalf. It takes two to tango as the saying goes. 
There's a need for the financial support and there's the need for the human resources. There's a connection between the two. Even in a, in a hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, when he mentioned that it's only permissible to envy two types of people. One who learns the Qur'an, who learns knowledge, deen, hikmah, wisdom, and they teach it. And the other is the one who's financially generous. They give and they give and they give. There's a need between the two for the human resources, the one learning Qur'an and teaching it, and the financial resources. Those who... because what. You, one can't do the other, the other can't do the one. Both need to work together in order to make things happen. Both require a full-time role, a full-time job. So what I, what I want to humbly request all of you today, if you can, after Jum'ah concludes and we ask Allah to accept all of our prayers and our efforts, Amir Alameen, if you can humbly and kindly stop by the Ihsan table, please give what you can. So even though there's a lot of good that Ihsan is doing, Specifically today, we're, we're looking to gather support from your generous community, mashallah, specifically in connection with orphan support. It's not a coincidence that Al-Habib sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam, it's not a coincidence the final messenger Allah sent to mankind himself was an orphan. So later on when he's given the mantle of being a prophet of Allah, a messenger of Allah, Think of it this way. He didn't forget where he came from. He was raised as an orphan. He was familiar with that struggle. He was familiar with those challenges firsthand. And then later, when he's given this mantle, he didn't forget about the orphans. He actually taught us that the one who supports an orphan will be like this with me in the hereafter. I need to ask myself, what am I willing to do to come closer to the Prophet ﷺ? That onus is on me. He's done his part ﷺ. Now it's up to me to think and reflect, am I doing my part? Am I trying to do my part? What am I willing to do? What am I willing to give? If I truly value ending up that close with the Prophet in the Akhirah, in the hereafter, that's on me. I need to reflect and think, okay, how serious how, how, how serious am I about truly wanting that? I can claim it. Of course I want to be with the Prophet. But then if there are these means and resources and I'm not using them, he taught us hacks. He taught us ways. This is a shortcut. Just do this and then you get so much more in return. That's up to me to do my part. We ask Allah for guidance and forgiveness. We ask Allah to make it easy for us to connect with the Qur'an and to benefit from it. We ask Allah to make it easy for us to connect with Surah Yusuf and to benefit from it. You never know. Maybe you giving literally even the smallest amount today, to help one orphan. Maybe that becomes, symbolically speaking, maybe that becomes the thing that ends up helping you years from now. Maybe you forgot about it. But then years later, you're going through a difficult time and you find Allah helping you and helping you and helping you. And you recognize this isn't normal. This isn't from people. This is something from above. This is something from Allah Azza wa And then you start to think and reflect, who knows? Maybe something was given to help someone. Maybe they make dua. Maybe they ask Allah, Ya Allah, bless whoever it was that put this food in my belly. Ya Allah, bless the person who's helping me to learn not only the, the secular sciences, but especially Qur'an. Ya Allah, bless them, give them ease, help them, protect them, forgive them, bless their family. Through helping other people's children, Allah will help our children. Give to an orphan as if that's the prophet you're giving to. Now there's a sense of ihsan. Now I'm going to take it seriously and I want to give not just clothing, the best of clothing. 
so on and so forth. We ask Allah for tawfiq. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasna fi al-akhirati hasna wa kan adhab al-nar. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasna fi al-akhirati hasna wa kan adhab al-nar. Rabbana atina min ladunka rahmah wa hayil ana min amrina rashada. Rabbana la tuzikulubana ba'da idh hadaytana wa hab lana min ladunka rahmah innaka anta al-wahab. Rabbana la tu'akhidna in nasina au akhtatna. Rabbana wa la tahmil alayna isran kama hamaltahu ala alladhina min qablina. Rabbana wa la tuhammilna ma la taqata lana bihi wa'fu anna. Waghfir lana warhamna أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين وأقم الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر